Welcome to The Intersection, a podcast on spirituality and social justice with three women of different ages who live in three different states with three different skin colors. Grounded in spirituality and love, we strive to think, speak, and behave in ways that will bring about a better world for all people. We are committed to admitting mistakes and missteps, excited to grow, and willing to make that growth public. We are so grateful that you've clicked play. Thank Thank you for your willingness to grow with us. Hello, and welcome to The Intersection. We're going to start off today with a little prayer because we're going to dive into the topic of hair. And we just want to ground a little bit in why we're here. So who wants to start with the prayer today? I'll start. Okay. Father God in heaven, thank you for the blessing to be able to be together, Father God. Thank you for the blessing to be free and comfortable enough to have these conversations. Thank you for the blessing of these women in our life. Father God, I pray that you are present in this conversation as you are in all our conversations, as you guided that we plant seeds, cover the things that need to be covered, Father God, that people have open hearts and open minds, that we touch our hearts and minds with this conversation. And we just thank you for your presence. If you express any prayer, thank you, amen. Oops, go on, ladies. <laughs> Divine oneness, eternal all that is. Let us feel your presence this morning in our hearts, in our bodies, through our words, as we ground down in love and open ourselves up to be a channel. So it is. Ancestors, angels, spirit, guides, all of the goodness and love in the universe be ever present in our conversation. Thank you for your presence always in our lives. Amen. I'm excited to dive in today. We're scrolling through a little bit of a list of like stuff we wanted to talk about. And then we got to hair. When we got together, the first thing I said was, hey, Amanda, did you cut your hair? (laughs) Amanda had a talk yesterday. And then Jamila and Amanda were both like, your hair is doing something big today. Like, And I was like, yeah, it's a little bit of a Hermione Moana combination today. And so I think the topic of hair is really interesting because I particularly am on a self-love journey with my hair at the moment, like very intentionally. I have called it my divorce with my straightener. I spent like my whole life straightening my hair and ironing and making it look like something I straight. And because I thought that was the only way to be beautiful for a really long time. And I didn't know that wasn't conscious, but that was something that totally got embedded in in my thinking that that was the only way to be beautiful, to have my hair straight. It's interesting because the topic's hair, but it can go in so many different directions here. What are y'all thinking? Well, I'm kind of thinking about hair in the Black culture and the trauma that that has gone with it. In the 70s, it was kind of, our natural hair was kind of embraced for a minute, and now it's being more culturally based on, of course, with white supremacy culture. <laughs> we were told that our hair was nappy and not good enough. It wasn't until I had children. Oh, so we were always, uh, in our culture, we're always straightening it, getting relaxers, which we call perms, but they're not perms because white people get perms. We get curls in their hair, ironic, while we're getting relaxers to try to get rid of the curls in our hair. And it wasn't until my daughter, I had my own child, and we went through the thing of, Okay, now you're 12. What do you want to do with your hair? Because that's usually around the time where in the Black culture, it's like, if not before, like, are you going to get a relaxer? And she says she wants to keep it straight. That I realized that, you know, our hair isn't nappy. It's just tight curls. And you treat it like you do curly hair. And you could do the diffusers. And the reason why our hair is different is because the curls are tight 
and the moisture can't get to the end. So we have to keep it moisturized and, you know, just learning about our hair. And that was not something that was taught with us in our culture. It was just a type of hate to it. And or like Detroit is considered hair capital of the world, or at least it was for a while, if it's not still. And you have people doing like, all these fabulous things with our hair because our hair is dope and it can hold styles, but no one was taking care of the hair. So it's a lot of people in our culture right now are my age that are bald. They're wearing wigs and stuff because all that lime from the relaxers, all the tight braids, all that stuff pulls out our hair. And we just never had a self-love for our hair. It was always something to be hidden. You could get fired from a job or having locks or wearing braids or having afros. Mm-hmm. I remember just recently some kid, was it a swimming or a wrestling match? And he cut his damn locks. They cut his locks off what? his head for him to be able to participate. So with the black culture, it's, the hair is very precious to us, but very problematic because white supremacy culture tells us not good enough. You still have people having problems just at the Olympics right now. That just passed. There came up with a company that can protect your hair when you're black so it's big, so your afros or your braids can fit into it. And they would not let the um, swimmers use it. Yeah, I saw that. They wouldn't let them. And what? It was, it, it was streamlining everything, but they didn't want them to use it because it was for black hair. Well, I did so, not see that. Wow. So, yeah. So hair is huge. I, at least with the black culture, it's, it can be very problematic for the white culture. I don't know how it is with other people, but we get a lot of shit for our hair, for our natural hair. So we're expected to perm it or relax it rather or straighten it or make it look as white as possible. I've always had naturally curly hair. It's really curly. And someone complimented it the other day, this woman that I ran into at the grocery store. And we talked about how she has very, very straight hair. And I said to her as she complimented my hair and I said, thank you. And I said, it took me a really long time to learn to love it. And she said, I always wanted curly hair. And when I was young, I always wanted straight hair. So there's this element too of not liking what we've got and wanting something different that's like tied to our hair. Like that's part of our culture too. The thing about hair is, so there's one of my favorite books of all time. I feel like this podcast isn't a podcast episode unless someone quotes a song or a book. But anyway, (laughs) one of my favorite books of all time is called The Temple of My Familiar by Alice Walker. It's actually the sequel to The Color Purple, which I didn't realize the first time I picked it up. What? I didn't know there was a sequel. I love The Color Purple. There's there's actually three books in the series. I've not read the third one. Whoa. Um, The Temple of My Familiar is this amazing book. And in it, there's a character who's like an older woman, 60s, 70s. She's an artist and she dyes her hair crazy colors. And she talks about that hair is purely an accessory. Like there's no real function of hair. It's purely an accessory. And I always loved that idea that this is mine to like play around with. I've been dyeing it. For the most part, I have my natural brown color, but then I add in the front all kinds of colors pretty much since I was 18 years old. There's been stretches of time where I didn't. But I love putting purples and blues and all kinds of fun colors in my hair. And I think part of it is that concept that was introduced in the book. Like, it's just an accessory. Play around with it. Have fun with it. That's cool. I've also dyed my hair a bunch over the course of my life. My most recent dye actually was rainbow streaks. But then it faded out. So now it's just this like kind of orangey kind of thing because the colors faded out. But another way that I've recently been thinking about my hair that you're reminding me of is my hair is my crown. 
Like it's my crown. I can walk around with my crown and I can wear my crown the way I want to wear my crown. I've been having to like, because my hair doesn't like dye very much. I like dyeing my hair, but then it makes my hair, I don't know, because I have to bleach it it. a lot before I can get anything on it. And then it gets all dry and all sorts of stuff. I don't know what my hair actually looks like, actually, because I've been dyeing it and straightening it and putting so many chemicals in it and heat on it throughout my life that I think it's going to take a few more months to kind of figure out what it actually looks like. Because it might some days I wake up and I'm like, wow, my hair is really curly. And some days I wake up and I'm like, "Eh, you're not very curly. I think my hair is just still trying to understand itself. But I'm really curious about that, like what it actually looks like, just because it's been so long since I've, I've let it actually just be. I find it very interesting the way our hair actually changes. So I look at my daughter, my oldest daughter. I did her hair until she was like 16 or so, maybe not quite that long, but we used to do twists and I used to experiment at YouTube University. And, and then when she was about 16, she shaved her head. Oh, she shaved like the size. It just had the top and she dyed it blue. It was very cool. But when it grew back, it was different. It was very interesting how it was different. Her curls weren't quite as tight. It was just different. And every time she cuts it, she goes through a phase where she cuts it before she got locked. Now she has locked. And it just comes back different. So it's very interesting to me, like the process that you do to your hair and stuff totally changes how it is. So I spent... I will admit this. I spent a large of my time with a Jerry girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which now in hindsight, which is hilarious to me that we used to straighten our hair, pay all this money to straighten our hair to put Jerry curls in it. And we already had naturally curly hair, right? Which is hilarious when you think about it now. But as a result, you know, I always had this relaxer, this fake, this arm in my hair. So when it was time to take care of my hair, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. And for a long time after my daughter decided like she was going to go natural, I was like, I'm going to stay natural because that's what I heard about the alopecia and everything that happens in the Black community from all the relaxers. So I was like, well, I'm not going to relax my hair no more. And for a long time, it just didn't grow. You have to keep it conditioner. You have to keep it moist. But I got these locks in my hair two years ago and my hair is growing like fire. It's like, I have to go get my hair done every month. Like right now, it needs to get done. And I take care of it so much better. I put it like, What's fed with water and aloe juice, which keeps it moisturized. It helps it grow. I don't put any conditioner in it, but I'm careful with the shampoo. And it's just really growing and not having to stop messing with it so much. But it is very interesting with me, the culture of our hair. And I do think of my hair as my crown. I always have. I used to be awesome with getting weave. I had this blonde weave that was up here. And oh, it was awesome. I used to do crazy stuff with my hair because it was fun. When I was born, I was bald. I was mostly bald for like almost two years. And then I had white blonde, like toehead blonde, straight hair until my first haircut. My mom tells this story all the time. She was actually just talking about it like last week when it was long enough that it was like, okay, it's getting shaggy. My first haircut, the hairdresser would cut a piece and it would start to curl and cut a piece and would start to curl. And she like called my mom over. She's like, you have to come see this. I've never seen this in all my time. And my hair used to be like wavy curls. Like I have a picture when I was eight or so, really soft, wavy curls. It always reminded me of Jennifer Grey and Dirty Dancing, right? Like that look. And as I got older, my curls got tighter and my hair got way darker. I used to have much lighter brown hair. 
That's so interesting that our hair changes like that. I find that fascinating. I also have a question because both of you talked about it and I talked about this too, doing a bunch of stuff to your hair and then needing, Amanda talked about, it took a long time to learn to love your curls. How did you know that you weren't loving your curls? I feel like it's only recent for me that I'm going, I'm like, oh, I can love my hair. I didn't even realize I was mistreating my hair by straightening it all the time and like doing all of these things. It was just like how I operated because it's how I operated for so long. So I'm like curious how you embarked on your hair love journey. I think when I say it took me a long time to love my hair, what I really mean is it took me a long time to not wish that it was different. Growing up, it was like I couldn't stand my curls. I really just wanted straight hair. And I felt like in a way it was like different, but it's funny again, because everyone wants their hair to be different than it is. I Mm -hmm. see all of my friends in elementary school, middle school, high school, tons of them were getting perms, right? And wanting curly hair. I just like, I didn't set out to start loving my hair. So I gradually just stopped wishing it was different than it was. Like I came to a point of acceptance and that opened me up to loving it. Then in my probably like early thirties, I set out to learn how to take care of it really well. So I got a couple of books from the library all about curly hair and I started learning about it. So curly hair grows out of the follicle, grows in a different shape than straight hair. Straight hair is actually a round follicle. Curly hair is an oval follicle. There's different types of curly hair and each one needs its own care. I stopped using harsh shampoos on my hair. I wash my hair with conditioner And I run my fingers through it. And so when I started taking care of my hair in that way, it started being healthier and happier. And then I was, okay, I am really loving my hair now because it was happier and I was treating it the way it needed to be treated. (laughs) That's funny you say that, Amanda. So with me, I always liked my hair. But like I said, I always had like jerry curls. And then once it was in the jerry curls, me and my girlfriend, we used to get our hair done every two weeks. <laughs> now the person wasn't taking care of our hair, but she was styling the hell out of it. Right. Yep. And I never really thought about it too much. I always kind of thought about my hair as, as an accessory, kind of like power. I didn't have like hate for my hair or anything. Right. But it's when I had kids and I started doing the hair, I started off with braids, had braids and beads. And then as she got older, it went to twist. And then we had the conversation again about whether or not she wanted to straighten her hair. And she was like, no. So I started learning about hair and I learned about co-washing. And I learned about, you know, not messing with your hair and, and about moisturizing your hair. That's where I get the aloe juice and water because the aloe juice closes the pores. So it locks in the moisturizer, right? So your hair doesn't feel so dry because that's the big thing with black hair. Because it is so curly, because it's so tight, the moisture, like how people with straighter hair and like white people and Filipino people, how your hair get oily if you don't wash it over a couple of days, that would never happen to us because my hair is so curly, but the oil never gets down to my hair, which is why I have to always moisturize it. I can't use, like, I don't use conditioner right now because of my locks and it would detangle my locks. But I also don't use shampoos and stuff with sulfur and all that stuff in because that dries it out and it breaks it off. So you have to take care of, figure out what it is your car, hair needs and take care of it from there. I think, I know I always talk about this, God forgive me, but it is what it is. I think that I always valued my hair because I always valued being black. Early on when I was younger, I had these teachers, and I think it's growing up in a predominantly black city, and I had these teachers that 
taught me early on how awesome it was to be black and how powerful we were for being black and how strong we are for being black. So my hair has always been like, even when we were permanent with those damn jerry curls, was always something powerful and nothing I ever hated. And then again, growing up in Detroit, where hair was always like a top thing. Like I said, we used to get our hair done every two weeks. There was no hate for it. It was just not knowing how to take care of it properly. And that's because within the Black culture, they never taught us how to take care of it properly. And that was a form of hate. I'm getting like a hair education right now. <laughs> like, because I just recently have like buying all these different products to try to like experiment with my hair. Because a friend of mine who slash mentor, who's also Asian, who has curly hair, messaged me when I was, my hair is just so frizzy. Like, I don't really know what to do with it. And she was, frizz is just a curl wanting some love. And that like yep. helped me so much to reframe it because when you talk about curly haired people wanting straight hair and straight haired people wanting curly hair, when I was a kid, I had like just frizzy hair. I was always, no one ever wants my hair. Like the curly haired people want the straight people hair, the straight people hair want the curly hair, but nobody's like craving frizzy hair. So I did have self-hate for my hair because it was so frizzy, but I think it was a result of not knowing how to take care of my hair. So it was like I hated what it looked like. It looked that way because I didn't know how to take care of it. And I didn't know how to take care of it because nobody taught me how to take care of it. And then layered upon that are like these Asian stereotypes. Like it's not a stereotype. Like a lot of Asian people have really straight hair, just like silky straight hair. So I'm Filipina, but like Asian people get bunched up together. But a bunch of Islander people don't have that hair. Yep. Romanian people like... Samoan people, Filipino people, a lot of us have island hair. And I didn't have a stereotype or like a media example of what that was growing up. I was constantly comparing to Asian hair and feeling abnormal because of it. I was, ah, my hair doesn't look like that. So I did have that hatred for my hair. And it's just now that I'm recovering from that and going, it's because my point of comparison was wrong. That's the same with us. It took me having my kids playing and doing their hair to realize that it wasn't nappy. We were always told our hair is nappy, like it was something wrong with it. It's not nappy. It's just mm -hmm. tight curls. Yeah. And I don't even know what nappy means. Like I've heard it, but what does it even mean? It basically means, like they would say, like it's like cotton. It's not nothing positive. It's not curly. It's not the accurate. It's mm -hmm. something that's negative to like, yep. that's uh, subscribed to black people. It's just a negative way of talking about our hair. But it was never talked about it being curly. And when I'm in my daughter's hair, you wet it, it's all wavy. The, the weight of the water makes it like wavy. And then it dries up because weak shrinkage is real with black hair. And so when it dries up, the curls just get really, really tight. But it was always trying to be a way of kind of shaming us. There weren't per se a lot of advocacy for natural hair growing up. Like in the 60s and 70s, the people were wearing the Black Panthers were wearing the Afros, but that was like the best you really heard about it. And we spent the, 70s, the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, just trying to make it as white as possible, which is straight in it, which is extremely damaging for our hair, be it with the flat iron or with the relaxer. It's all bad. And that's why a lot of women my age are bald. I have so many friends and family members that have bald spots in their head from that from not knowing how to take care of their hair. That's try to go to the dermatologist and stuff to get to figure out how to get their hair grow. Some of them just won't grow. But 
it's just cruel. So what I did was, <laughs> besides YouTube University, I went through all my white friends with curly hair. What do you do with your hair? Yep. <laughs> How do you take care of your hair? And what do you do with this? And it worked. You just have to take it as tight curls there. And that's all it is. Yeah. But yes. So cold wash, Carol. Don't use any more shampoos. And if you use the shampoos, make sure it doesn't have any nitrogen, sulfur, any of that stuff in it. You should go for curly products. You can even go for some natural black products. I like Shea Moisture's. It's really good. Just nurture your hair. It keep heat out of it. Heat is bad for your hair, especially yeah. when you got curly because it breaks it off. So try and to take it as heat as possible. So the other thing about curly hair is the oil in our hair, the natural produced oil is really essential to the hair. That's why it never looks oily. My hair doesn't get oily either, even if I go weeks without washing it because huh. it, our hair needs it. Your hair isn't quite as curly, so that probably isn't the case for you as far as it will get oily after a certain amount of time. But curly hair needs the oil. And what happens is when we use shampoos with the sulfates and everything, it pulls that oil out of it. And same with heat, boil, or, you know, basically like sizzles the oil off. Mm -hmm. That's what's so damaging is like curly hair needs its oil to it survive. It needs moisturization. Yep. Well, my hair, because my curls are tight, my oil, the little bit that I produce, because I don't produce mm -hmm. a lot, stays on my scalp, even comes out. You know what I mean? So what I constantly have to do when I'm acting right is keeping it moisturized. <laughs> so that means I should be spraying my hair with water every day. I should, my water allergies thing, I swear on it. And I learned that from a lady on YouTube because she explained the science behind it is that, you know, our hair shafts are open, but the allergies closes it. So if I put oil on my hair, because I do, I mix a bunch of natural oils together and I'll oil my scalp and put some water on it. And if I use the water with aloe juice, it closes the oil and water inside the shaft because it makes it close. And so it will hold the moisture longer. So with my curls being so tight, it doesn't hold moisture. So I have to be moisturizing it. And that's why I'll start breaking off or not acting right. But that's because my curls are so tight. So my hair looks really dry. It is dry, but it's because it can't get the oil. The oil isn't coming down the shaft into the hair. <laughs> Girl, pick up books. I know. <laughs> I got to go to the library and get some books on hair. I mean, I've just started, maybe it was like a month ago, I've started to like really think about this. And really intentional about it because I'm loving my hair. I'm using as a very intentional form of self-love, like a way to practice self-love, a way to go like, how am I taking care of myself? How am I loving myself? <laughs> like Lizzie Jeff, like this musician who I love and I've tried to, I think I've gotten manageability over too. She's like always talking about self-love and mirror gazing and looking in the mirror and practicing loving yourself in all of these different ways. And she's talked a lot about her natural hair too. And it's interesting because it's like a really specific way to love ourselves. It's so specific. And when I think about it, all the stuff we talk about comes up for me because it's like, if I have to actively love my hair in this intentional way, it means that I wasn't taught to do it by my society. It means that my society didn't show me that it was beautiful. So I've got to actively show it to myself. I didn't have that in yeah. my cultural messaging. I think that for me is why this topic is interesting here in this group, in this conversation, because we get so many messages about hair as women. Yep. And I wanted, Amanda, yeah. you to talk about you shaving your hair. In 2020, 
I did this thing called a day of nothing, which I think I've talked about before, where it's literally doing nothing all day. I mean, obviously you have to eat. I had to walk my dog that day, but it's not like taking a bath and journaling or meditating and doing nothing and just being completely with yourself. And I got quite a few downloads that day. And then the next week in my meditation, all these downloads. And one of them was like, you need to shave your head. And I was like, whoa, I would check in with my intuition, just make sure. Yeah, that's still a thing. It's time. (laughs) End of beginning of September, end of August of 2020. I was just starting a practice of identifying as a witch and starting a practice of being a practicing witch. I decided that on Samhain, which is Halloween, which is in many circles is considering the witchy new year, I decided to initiate myself as a witch. We went and had burn ceremony out in the woods. There's this hot spring next to the river and I cut off all my hair. And in preparation for this, I'm not someone that almost ever wears makeup. And if I do wear makeup, it's like, I'll throw some mascara on. But in preparation for getting ready to shave my head, I have to go buy all this lipstick. So I bought five different lipsticks that I swear none of them are even opened. They're still two years later, still in the packaging. Because I was recognizing without being at first consciously aware of it, that my identity as a woman, my femaleness, my womanness, my beauty and value was tied up in my hair. I bought all these lipsticks thinking I needed to be a lipstick, shaved head lipstick wearing person to be feel like a woman. When I cut off all my hair, I remember being out in the woods and just this rush of all this unworthiness that was ready to just be released. All these ideas of where my value lies as a person, as a woman just came like flooding. It was like, as I was cutting, it was a physical feeling of being rushing, energy rushing through me. And I burned some of my hair and I sent some down the river. I saved some to do some spells with. I actually made a broom for my hearth that has some woven in it. I really used it as a powerful way to claim my worthiness. But it was really interesting for me. I didn't expect all of that. When I got the download, you need to shave your head. I was kind of like, okay, what's this about? But it was kind of a reclamation of my value and my worth as a person isn't tied to any outside or physical thing. Were you the one literally cutting it? You're cutting it yourself? Both. So I went with one of my very best friends and she helped with some parts, but I cut it myself. Wow. Can you talk about how people treated you after that? Let me think. My mom and my bonus dad had moved here the month before. It was the first time in 40 years that they'd ever lived here or that we'd ever lived in the same town, my mom and I. And my mom's very much like, if she doesn't know what to say, she doesn't say anything about it. So she kind of (laughs) ignores the, it's like the (laughs) elephant in the room. How could you not say, I just shaved all of my hair off. Let's talk about it. Let's say, acknowledge it. My dad made a comment at one point. This wasn't the first thing he said. But a few couple weeks or so later, he was like, I hope I live long enough to see your hair grow out again. Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh. I was like, wow. Like it just kind of reiterated these cultural messages that we get about hair. What does it matter? My hair is my dad. But it was really important to him. I mean, I might have said something like, we'll see. Because at the time, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to keep shaving it. Or I might have said something along the lines of like, well, I hope you live a really long time too. (laughs) How did strangers treat you or look at you? Did they look at you differently or treat you different? Did you get different energy? The thing that was a little bit hard was it was at the end of 2020 and we were still in the pandemic. So there wasn't a whole lot of social interactions. 
There was my coffee shop around the corner where I go regularly enough that they know me. Like there's a lot of younger women that work there and they would comment on it and talk about it. I think for the most part, it was kind of positive. I don't remember any specific negative things about it. I don't remember. I mean, certainly no stranger said anything negative. I don't remember any outright staring at me. But again, it was this weird time where people were keeping our distance and there was new variants and people were wearing masks. And it was just a unique time as far as interactions with other people. And even as I am letting it grow out, because at this point, I had never shaved my head before. And it was, how is this going to go growing out? I had it really short once when I was 17, just kind of growing it out. I just keep saying, just kind of making it up as I go. Like, so I'm having fun with it. And I shaved the sides again the other day to clean it up because I was giving a presentation. And what I realized when I shaved it was that I am ready to grow it out again. So we'll see how that goes. You know, it's so interesting. Like, thanks for sharing your shaving your head story. Because I had my roommate from college shaved her head like and right we had lived together for four years and she's half Japanese, half Chinese. She has that really straight, silky hair. And when I moved out, or I moved to Arkansas, she moved to Boston. And then I saw on Facebook that she had shaved her head. And I like commented on the post and I was, oh my gosh, your hair. And all of those stereotypes, I had bought into it. And my friend Melody got really mad at me and didn't talk to me for a while. And at the time, I didn't understand all of these things, but she had said something like, I would have expected you to be able to see beyond the patriarchal expectations of a Something like that. And I, something along those lines, because I mean, I have been thinking about these topics my whole life, but the hair thing was just not in my awareness. It was just, it's so daily. It's so, we see it. It's so every single day we look in the mirror, every single day we see our friends have hair. It's so in great part of the water of how Melody and I are in good terms now. She sewed a teddy bear for Kato, like all these things. But that really like snapped me into, whoa, that was another example for me of how in the water certain things are. Can I say something that uh, is just kind of off subject, but oh my God, what a college student I uh, comment. I affect more than you remember the PPR. That is when you're deep into your learning. So deep in it. And like, you are falling into the patriarch. And, and I oh was, God, though, so, you know, like you I were, totally yes. was. That's so funny. Yeah, that's we so get a lot of messaging around what we're supposed to have our hair look like as women. Yeah, like, as women and as men, because when men have long hair, it's a problem, right? A lot of people kind of patriarch, the traditional patriarch kind of yeah. rub up their nose and you have to be gay, right? Because I know this one little boy at our school, several of my kids were little. He had his hair all the way down to his waist. And I know I had to stop like, but that's what he wanted. That's what he never wanted to get his hair cut. And his parents kind of rolled with it. And, and that- it meant nothing. That's just what he liked. And that's okay, too. So how about a shout out to people being strong enough, brave enough, and honest enough to be authentically themselves and not give a shit about what society is saying about it. I love that. There's this, as we, an image that keeps popping up in my head as we have this conversation, and especially now that you've brought men into it, Jamila, is the Carlisle work, Indian boarding schools. And there are these pictures of this man who was like trying to kill the Indian and save the man. It's really disturbing to look at it. But there are these before and after pictures that he purposely hired these photographers to take pictures of Native American 
children and men before the school and after the school. And one of the first things they did was cut, cut off hair. hair. And so have, cut off hair. Have and, you ever thought about the fact that as subcultures, your hair is a spiritual thing? Yes. It's a part of your spirituality. So it's just such a demeaning thing. That's another conversation we should have about how Native Americans have been treated in this country. And have a Native American or because that's a hot, hot, that's how they destroyed their culture. They were such spiritual people and their hair is a part of their spirituality. Mm-hmm. I it think was hair, the way the men hair in so many cultures is like a very spiritual thing. I know in, in Filipina, there are rituals with like burning hair, like when you're trying to burn something away in your life. And also like Jamila, I was thinking about Samson and Delilah and the cutting of yes. hair, right? Cut like his hair to take away his yeah, power. power. And yep. then with, uh, from my understanding, I'm not a witch and I don't study witchcraft, but my understanding is that with hair, you could do, well, you just said it with spells and you could, it's a part of you. So it's such a part of the spirituality with that too, because it's a connection to you. So what I find myself doing, because I know that little bit of knowledge with a hair fall off and I cut it, if I bite off a nail, which I bite my nails. I'm like, no longer a part of me. I try to take my energy away from it so nobody can use it for me against it's a witchcraft. Like, no longer a part of me. No longer a part of me. I try to take my energy away. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> I am curious, as we wrap up this conversation, what's one message you would give to somebody who's like about to embark on like a little bit of a hair journey? Well, what I would say is this. First off, recognize that you are beautiful regardless that you are beautiful and complete and your hair is just an accessory. It's not a part of you. I mean, it's not you. Do take your energy away when you discard it. But it's not you. And what you do with your hair, it's all up to you. It doesn't matter. And if you, I would just say to take care of it and educate yourself about it because if you want to keep it, (laughs) learn how to take care of it. But whether you wear it long, whether you wear it short, whether you wear it bald, it's all good because you are beautiful, complete. And the way you are, be authentically yourself. I think for someone setting off on a hair love journey to first be willing to tease apart what messages you've gotten about your hair, what cultural and familial message you get about what is expected of you for your hair, what kind of value your hair plays in your life. If you are identified with your hair in some way, tease that apart first and decide which beliefs you want to keep and which beliefs you want to kind of throw out, like there's someone else's ideas or someone else's stories. And then learn about your specific hair type and needs so you can care for it in a way that it will thrive. And take that on as a practice of investing in yourself and investing in self-love is taking care of your hair in that way. And then whatever you really want to do with your hair, fucking do it. Yeah, do that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I think that one is what I would say. And I'm at the beginning of my journey, but like to have fun, to let it be a fun thing. I'm having a lot of fun experimenting with different products, like learning about I'm going to go pick up some books to let it be a fun thing. Because when we are not loving our hair, that's not fun for our hair to not feel loved. Allow the loving of our hair to be a fun part of our lives, I think is my message right now to people and also to myself. (laughs) But how about this? It's just hair to grow back. Do it. it. Because I'm definitely thinking about dyeing my hair after school board race. Because I don't think they could take my crazy. But I want a sunrise. <laughs> I want blonde, they're red, they're orange. And yes. ooh, I'm working on it. I can't wait. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. 
Yeah, me too. All right, y'all. Have fun on your hair love journey. Thank you so much for listening to The Intersection, Spirituality and Social Justice. We hope this podcast made you think and feel and that you carry that with you into the conversations you have in your own life. We also know that our conversation is incomplete without you. We would love to keep in touch. Follow us on Instagram at the period intersection period podcast and find our individual Instagrams in the show notes. We can't wait to hear from you.